Open your Bibles with me to Romans 12. Here we go. Romans 12. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, we're in Romans 13 in this series of sermons, we are. That's where we're going to end up this morning is Romans 13. But go with me to Romans 12 and let's begin there. And it's because, again, there's a very important thing we need to understand about this wonderful book of Romans, the wonderful letter that Paul wrote to Roman Christians, Christians living in Rome. And here is, here's that context of the scripture that we need to get in our mind again. Romans chapter 1 through 11, Paul is expressing God's work through Christ for us. Now everyone, make sure you heard that. Romans 1 through 11 is God's work through Christ for us. Paul is explaining the cross. He's explaining salvation. He's explaining the gospel message in Romans 1 through 11. God's work through Christ for us. And then in Romans 12, he starts showing God's work through Christ in us. God's work through Christ for us in Romans 1 through 11. Romans 12 forward, God's work through Christ in us. He shows how this powerful gospel of Jesus Christ, how this message of the cross transforms our lives in chapters 1 through 11. And then when you get to chapter 12, he says, therefore, by the beloved mercies of our God, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know and do the acceptable will of God. Romans 1 through 11 puts us in a right relationship with God. And then Romans 12 forward shows us, then here's how that relationship is lived out. Here's another way of looking at it. Romans 1 through 11 is showing us God's completed work through Christ. That's the message of the cross, Romans 1 through 11. God's completed work through Christ. Romans 12 the continuing work now of Christ in us that God wants to do in our world. Romans 1 through 11 is showing God's love for us through Christ. Romans 12 forward is showing us God's love in us that is to be lived out and through the world. And so that's why in Romans 1 through 11, this tremendous message of here's how much God loves you that he gave his only begotten son on the cross. And now Romans 12, if you have been transformed by that love, if God's love has been poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit, now we can take that love of God and live it out and express it in our lives. That's why Romans 12 verse 9, look at it with me. You remember Romans 12 verse 1 opens with, be, do, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if you've been transformed, here's what it looks like in the world. Romans 12 verse 9 says, let love be genuine. You see, what Paul is showing us here is here's what the transformed life looks like. It is expressed in God's love in you, now expressed, displaying the love of God to the world. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And then look at the very next verse. It's continuing this theme of love. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in, in showing honor. Folks, everything from Romans 12 forward is showing us the theme of love. 
Well, then we get to Romans 13 and Paul writes, let everyone be subject to governing authorities. And we say, oh, okay, so Paul's done with talking about love now, and he's now going to talk about government. And as we all know, there's absolutely nothing to do with love and government. That's, that's not it at all. The theme of love is continuing. Paul is saying, show love among the believers. Show love outside the church. Show love to your enemies. The end of chapter 12 says, don't, don't take revenge. But instead, overcome evil with good. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Folks, he's continuing this thought, this theme of love. He's saying love isn't just something we show inside the church. Love is something that we show in our everyday lives. Love is something that we show to the political authorities. And if, you're, if right now you're thinking, well, Paul didn't know the political authorities that we have in our world today. Oh, folks, listen. The, 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 the atrocities that sometimes you hear of going around the world, that was being played out in Paul's time. Paul is saying, if the love of God is truly in us, we're going to show that even in the way we act among political authorities. All right? So he continues this theme of love all the way through 7 and 8. So we, wrote, we read Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Show brotherly love, genuine affection. And now listen to Romans 13, 7 and 8. This morning's passage is Romans 13, 7 and 8. Listen to this. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, bless your holy name. Lord, we have heard, we have sung about the love of God that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. As I heard Daniel recall in his prayer, Lord, thank you that we were absolutely spiritually bankrupt, dead in our trespasses and sins, and yet Christ has made us alive. Lord, thank you for the love of Jesus that is seen in the cross and now we're so thankful that the love of God is in our hearts through Christ. And Lord, I pray that this morning, if there's someone here who's never experienced that unconditional love of God in the work of Jesus Christ, that Lord, today would be the day of salvation. Father, we pray for recommitted hearts. Lord, I pray that there would be people praying at the altar. I pray that there would be folks coming and rededicating hearts to you, those who are saved. And Lord, I pray that you would call people to this church family as, as you see fit. And Lord, I pray that you would call out of this church family. Lord, that we would be a sending church. And so, Lord, may you receive the glory. Father, I need you. Please speak through me. And we're going to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love and taxes? Surely not. I mean, if I were to say, okay, who loves paying taxes this morning? There's going to be very few that are going to raise our hands. And yet, this theme of love is shown even in verse 7. Pay 
to all what is owed. Taxes to whom taxes, revenue to whom revenue, honor to whom honor, respect, respect to respect, honor to honor. Pay to all what is owed, and that is a reflection of the theme of love. God is saying to us through Paul, if your life has been changed, if you are truly arranged under the authority of God, then be subject to the governing authorities. Show love in your life by showing love in the political arena, the world in which you live. Display the love of God. And here's one very good practical way of how you can show that love. Pay to all what is owed. Now, Paul had a couple of options that could have been available to him that were evident right there in his time. One was... Well, how about if we all just be zealots? And if you remember, there was a zealot among the 12 disciples of Jesus. And the zealots were totally opposed to the Roman government. Do everything you can to overthrow the Roman government. And so there's an option for Paul. Paul could have said, here's how we show that the love of Christ is in us. We're going to do everything we can to resist the government. We're going to do everything we can to overthrow the government. We will not support any of those political leaders. That's one option available to him. Another option would have been there were factions of the Jews who would say, okay, we're just going to head out into the desert. We won't live in Rome. We won't live in Jerusalem under Roman authority. We'll just go to the desert and we'll be up there by ourselves. We'll just separate ourselves from everyone. And that's an option available to us. And so Paul could have said, here's how you show the love of God through Christ in you. Just get away from everyone. But instead, Paul shows us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's how a transformed life is to live. Be in subjection to the governing authorities. You live in the world. You be a part of it. If they require taxes of you, you pay taxes. If you buy something from someone, you pay them. Pay to all what is owed. And so here is point number one, because I'm wanting us to understand even what we do in our daily lives is under the theme of love. Here's point number one. The theme of God's love is displayed even in our daily transactions. God's love is seen in our daily transactions. Now, friends, I want you to know that is a great economic principle. It's a great principle to live by in life, which is pay to all what is owed. If you go to the store and you buy something, pay for it. You don't walk in and just grab something and take off with it. Pay to all what is owed. If you owe taxes, pay taxes and the revenue means if you purchase a good, if you get a service from someone, electrician, a plumber, pay them. Pay to all what is owed. And if you're thinking, okay, well, this is really a simple, I mean, I think, I think we can move on at this point. Hang on just a second. The Bible says pay to all what is owed. So let me give you a scenario. You go to the gas station. I pull in, I walk up to the pump, I take my debit card and you remember it has to be fast. You want to keep your fingers from getting caught in there also. Pull it out. 
And so you wait a little bit, and then it says, give us your zip code. Zip code. Would you like a car wash? No. Would you like a receipt? Yes. And for some reason, the yes button for me never works, so I have to push it again. Yes. And then it says, would you like to, for me to continue asking questions of you? No, I don't. Just let me get gas. And so you fill up your car, and I mean, I can hear the, the gasoline going through the, the tubing. I can hear it going through the handle. I mean, it's going into my car. Everything's going at great. And it gets to 3888, and bam, man, I stop it right on 3888. Why? I don't know. I just love 3888. Stop, and, and boy, it's, it's a competition, isn't it? Does anyone else do that? Try to stop it right on... 38.88. And so I'm now I'm waiting on the receipt, rip off the receipt, and I always check the receipt. I want to make sure that what, I, what it's showing on the screen is what I was charged. So I look at the, rescre- the receipt, and it says 0.00. Transaction canceled. Okay, I've got two options available to me. One, I walk inside and I say to the employee at the counter, I just put gas in my car. As a matter of fact, I turned the key over and sure enough, I've got gas. But this receipt is showing me I was not charged anything. And so I'm saying to the employee, I want to make sure that I pay for what I got. That's one option. Option two is I call my wife and the church staff and I say, hey, there's free gas over here at the seven. You guys get over here as quick as you can. I'll stay right here at the pump and I'll, I'll act like it's out of order. You know, I'll kick the machine and what's wrong with this and you guys get over here. That's the second option. What would you do? And we say, well... I mean, if I knew the person who ran the gas station, I'd, I'd probably do something. But if it's just one of those big corporations, faceless, don't know anyone, yeah, I'll probably just say, it's my lucky day. And yet the scripture says, pay to all what is owed. There are a lot of people in our country right now, federal employees who have been furloughed. Our government is shut down. And a lot of people who haven't been paid what is owed to them. And so one of the things that I saw this week on the news is some of our political leaders would take a placard, which would be a picture of an individual's face. And they would hold it up and they would say, this is affecting real people. This is a real person. And so, folks, we need to remember that when the Scripture says pay to all what is owed to them, a lot of times we think in terms of, well, but I don't know anyone there. That caveat is not in Scripture. It doesn't say if you know someone there, then take care of them. If you don't know anyone, it's a faceless corporation. It's a big money deal. And and listen, they've probably overcharged you in the past, and so don't worry about it. And so, folks, what would compel me to do the right thing and to go in and to pay what is owed? 
Paul's arguing it's the love of God that would compel you to do that. Because that way, then, the love of God is being seen in daily transactions. And if you're thinking, boy, there's a lot of cheating that goes on. No one, they're not going to miss my $38.88. And besides that, I know that they've done some things that were wrong before. Folks, did you know that Jesus paid the temple tax? Everyone know that? Jesus paid the temple tax and he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, when he said pay the temple tax, he knew that those same religious leaders in the temple were going to be the ones who would falsely accuse him and call for his execution. And when he said, render unto Caesar, he knew that it was going to be a Roman execution of crucifixion that he would undergo. And yet, Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Folks, listen, that's only the love of God in us that will compel us to always do what is right in God's eyes. Pay to all what is owed. And so the love of God is seen in our daily transactions. Well, here's the second thing I want you to see. Now, remember what we're reading here. It says, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes, revenue, respect, honor to whom honor is owed. Well, now, taxes and revenue, we get that, but then there's respect and honor. And so here's the second point. This theme of love not only concerns the pocketbook, but it starts in the heart. Boy, listen to that. Again, we could say, okay, I get it. If I owe taxes, I need to pay them. If I owe revenue to someone, I need to pay that, but I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to do it reluctantly, hesitatingly, because I really don't support them but I guess I have to pay it, so I'll pay it. Well, that just concerns our pocketbook. But Paul then brings in respect and honor, which affects the heart. Because you see, what Paul is calling us here to is you show respect and honor because that is owed to them. And boy, do we want to balk about that. Now, everyone listen. I don't want to be misunderstood here. I am so thankful that across our nation, our military personnel are far more respected and honored than days gone by. During the Vietnam era, our military personnel were not respected. They were not honored. And I am so thankful that that has changed. But boy, the same respect and honor that we show to our military leaders, we are also supposed to show to our political leaders, and that is woefully absent in today's society. And again, you may be saying, well, Paul doesn't know who our political leaders are these days. Folks, it does not matter. Because number one, Paul did know the type of leader we're talking about. 
As a matter of fact, atrocities that happen around our world among political leaders were some of the same atrocities that were being acted out in Paul's day. Paul did know. And he's saying we are to respect. And folks, as believers, the love of Christ compels us. If the gospel has truly transformed me, that's the way I'm supposed to live my life. The offices that are held among political leaders deserve our respect and our honor. And I need to act like one who has been changed. Folks, that does not mean that we don't disagree with certain things. That doesn't mean that you don't get angry, have a a righteous indignation about certain things that are carried out. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that my heart has to change and I am to show respect and to honor because that is the theme of the love of God in me being displayed in the world. All right, so here's number three. We go right in then to Owe no one anything. Now, again, I want you to notice a couple of things that are going to take place here. Look again at verse 7. Pay to all. Pay to all. Everyone. And then it says, owe no one anything. Listen, here's point number three. God makes no distinction, nor should we. God makes no distinction. Pay to all what is owed. Owe no one anything. God makes no distinction, nor should we. If you remember on January the 6th when I preached a sermon two weeks ago, I gave us the history of how at this point in in the history of Rome, in the history of the Christians that were there, the Jews had been expelled a few years before Paul wrote this letter. And now the Jews have been allowed to come back in. So what was once a Jewish Christian-led church in Rome now became a Gentile-led church in Rome Because the Jews got kicked out. Well, when the Jews came back, now you have Jews and Gentiles coming back together again and the clashes that that could cause. And so in the midst of that, Paul is saying, don't make any distinction. If you owe someone something, you pay him. It doesn't matter whether they're an unbeliever or a believer. And if you owe the debt of love, which we all do, make no distinction. If you love within the church, love outside the church. Folks, when they were supposed to pay someone, it wasn't pay believers, but you don't need to pay unbelievers. Well, the same verb, owe, is carried over into verse 8. If you owe an unbeliever, pay him, and you owe love to that person, pay love. And so I need to ask a couple of questions. Number one, is there a color or class of people for whom Jesus did not die for? And I hope in your heart you're saying absolutely not. Folks, I hope that we always remember 
that our whole faith of Christianity started among a darker-skinned people. If you're white, you are the ones who are on the outside. There is no color or class. There is no ethnicity or nationality that Christ did not die for. Is there a class of sin that the grace of God cannot reach? No. Make no distinction. God does not make a distinction, nor should we. And so then here's the last principle and we're done. Everyone, please hear this last one. We are to owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So here's the principle. We have received an unceasing supply for a never-ending debt. Owe no one anything. Owe no one anything except to love. Paul is saying the only debt that you need to have outstanding is the debt of love. Now, everyone's man hone in here because for a lot of years, we have heard the first part of that verse be the emphasis of the verse, owe no one anything. And too many times, folks have stopped there and used that verse as an argument for never taking out a loan, never borrowing, never taking out a debt. They've used that as an argument for that. Now, please understand that verse 7 and 8 have got to be taken together. Paul says, if you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe revenue, pay revenue. You owe love, pay love. He doesn't change the verbs. He, in verse 7, he's talking about the fact that there is borrowing that has taken place, and if you've borrowed, pay it back. I really don't think that what Paul is trying to establish here is a principle of never borrow. Now, everyone, please hear this. Boy, I believe there is tremendous financial wisdom that we can gain from this. Owe no one anything. In other words, if you buy something, pay for it. And if we will do that, we will keep ourselves from getting into the horrible death that by and large will keep ourselves from getting into the horrible death that so many of us are in. And friends, listen, the reason I believe that God is giving us this principle is number one, it shows that theme of love, a transformed life that if I owe you, if I pay, if I've bought something for you, I need to pay you. I need to not have any debts outstanding except the debt of love. I really think that Paul is not just wanting us to stop at, oh, no one, anything. I'm afraid that that first part has tended to drown out over the years the majority of what Paul is saying here, which is you will always have the debt of love that you owe to people. Now, real quickly, can we look, at least look at some financial principles here that we could get from this? Friends, if it's a non-essential 
I don't need to borrow money for it. And right now, there may be men in here that are saying, hey, February 3rd is Super Bowl, and a bigger TV is an essential right now in my life. Okay, a bigger TV is a non-essential. So I believe that we can understand that there is the principle if we don't borrow for non-essentials, we shouldn't borrow if there's absolutely no possibility of repaying. If you're borrowing money and you have no intent of repaying or don't even think you can repay, you shouldn't borrow. You shouldn't borrow that which is a depreciating asset. And so I believe that there are some great principles that we can draw from this. I don't think that we are supposed to lay upon this the, 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 the burden of you are not to borrow for anything at any time. And folks, I'm not taking this to a logical extreme, but I am going to use an example. I borrowed a rake the other day from a neighbor. My wife had noticed there was a bunch of those pine needles in the front yard. And she had made, she didn't say, hey, please go do that. She just said, boy, I I didn't realize we had so much of that. I thought, you know, I need to take care of that. And then realized, don't even own a rake. So I went and borrowed a rake. Well, should I not borrow a rake? And you say, well, wait a minute. Now now you're being petty about this. No. If what Paul is saying here is don't borrow ever anything, zero, don't ever do it, then I should never borrow anything. But friends, again, I really believe that what the Scripture is showing us, and, and again, if you take the full context of Scripture, There are other passages that talk about lending. Please know, as a believer in Christ, we need to do everything we can do not to be in debt. Do everything you can not to be in debt. Because number one, it allows us to be ready and free to go wherever God calls us to go. We have a couple in our service here this morning that here in about three weeks, they're going to be voted on by a committee that I get to be on as to them being allowed to go out onto the field as IMB missionaries. Folks, listen, did you know that if they have debt, they can't go? If they're saddled with credit card debt and all this other kind of car debt and student loan debt and all that, they can't go. And so what we need to do is to make sure that we're doing everything we can to free our lives of that. That's why this financial piece is so crucial to this whole aspect of Untangled. And so let's live our lives that way. And I want to give you two thoughts to think about. Here's number one. Why is it that we have a continuing debt of love to someone? Well, here's the first thing. It's because we don't live on a payback relationship with Christ. Now, let me explain that. When Paul is saying, if you owe taxes, pay taxes, you owe revenue, pay revenue, that's a contractual relationship. If I walk into the store and I get some bananas... I need to pay that person for the bananas. We entered into a contractual relationship. You sold me something. I paid you for it. We're done. 
Are you good? Yes, sir, I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. We can walk away from it. The transaction has been finished. Paul's saying, as believers, that's not how we live life. We live life in a covenantal relationship, which means that if I do something for you at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning to show love to you, well, then at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I still need to show love to you. The relationship hasn't ended there wasn't a transaction finish, uh, initiated transaction finish, and so now we're done with each other and we walk away from each other. No, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a covenantal relationship. This relationship continues. And so if someone showed up at my front door, a church member, and they've got a bowl of banana pudding, and I walk in, I close the door, and my wife says, who was that? Oh, there's some folks in our church, they brought us a bowl of banana pudding. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, you know what? It's not really. Well, why is that? Well, you realize now we have to eat it, clean the bowl, make a dessert, put it in the bowl, and take it back to them. We've got to repay them for what they've done to us. And my wife say, I'm not for sure that was their intent. Well, they'd like for you to think that, wouldn't they? We now owe them a dessert. Folks, that's, the relationship that we have in Christ is not a contractual relationship. I'm not supposed to then make, so I, I now fill the bowl of chocolate chip cookies and I go back to them, hey, this is kind of our, our signature dessert, so here's your cookies and we're done, right? You made us pudding, we made you cookies. We can all walk away from this. You're good, I'm good. May I ask you a favor? Yes, what is it? Please don't make us any more pudding. We're tired of making cookies. Folks, that's not what we're to be about. But instead, Christ loved me enough that he died for me. When I give my life to him, it's not because I'm trying to pay Christ back for what he did for me. Does everyone hear that? Because Christ gave me his perfect life. Do you know what you and I gave him? Sinful, non-righteous, wretched life. That's what I, do you think that's paying Christ back? We don't live in a payback relationship with Christ. But instead, I want to live for him. Why? Because I'm trying to pay him back? No, because I want to give glory to God's name, to the one who saved me. I want to make his name known among the nations. That's why I'm living for him. I want the world to see Christ changed me. And now I want people to see that. And then number two, second subpoint: we're under a whole different law. And it's called the law of Christ. And so if my wife and I are in the car and we're driving by a pond and it looks like there is someone out there in the pond and they are drowning. And my wife says, you need to run out there and help them. Folks, what mind among us would say, whoa, wait a minute. 
they've never done anything for me. That person's never saved my life. And you say, well, okay, it may be that you don't do it on a quid pro quo basis, but I mean, there's got to be a whole, there, there's the good Samaritan law that says you can't just stand by and watch some, a crime being committed. You can't just stand by and watch someone die. Folks, listen, there's a whole greater law than that, and it's the law of Christ. Christ initiated with me, but God demonstrated his love toward me in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The law of Christ, Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens, for this fulfills the law of Christ. And so I know I've told you guys in the past about our son, Zachary, and this is his daughter, Kenley, that's sitting right here on the front row. Our, daughter, our son, Zachary, when he was two years old, the, the wall unit, and I've told this church family about it before, uh, he was in a little preschool room at a church, and the entire wall unit fell on top of him. And, and folks, I want you to know, far smaller pieces of furniture have fallen on children and killed them. This was an entire wooden wall unit that fell on him. When my wife and I pull up, the ambulance had just loaded him up and was getting ready to take him away. And when they saw that we were there, they opened up the back gate and there sits our son covered in blood. And I'll never forget the fireman who was sitting there by him doing everything he can to try to stop the bleeding to save that boy's life. And so we get to the hospital. They're able to stitch him up. And, and he, he was saved. That fireman was still there. And if you're wondering, did you tell that fireman thank you? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. We thanked him. Man, thank you so much for what you did for our son. But I want you to know, we didn't just thank him right then, but in our hearts, we said we will be eternally grateful for what you did. And so over the years, Zachary just turned 29. Over these 27 years, Periodically, in, when we're in Shawnee, by God's design, we'll run into that guy. His brown hair, he's now completely gray. Can you imagine? <laughs> to this day, there's a connection. Man, just want to thank you again. We are always grateful. That's what Paul means. I don't just love you once, but I owe to you a debt of love because Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. Lord, I want to spend the rest of my life displaying the love of Jesus Christ for how much you loved me, our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray so much that so, someone here 
who is saying, I want to experience that love of Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would come today and be saved. Oh, Lord, please, I pray that not a single one would walk out not knowing where they would spend eternity, not ever experiencing forgiveness of sins and this unconditional love of God that changes our lives. Lord, I pray for believers to come and recommit their hearts. Lord, I want to express and show the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, call to our church family and call out. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we have this time of invitation? We're inviting you. You come.